Good morning, Lakeview Church. So good to be with you today. This is the day that the church gathers to celebrate the foundation of her faith. The reality is, is that the gospel of Jesus Christ is centered around the cornerstone of the resurrection. See, the gospel of Jesus Christ isn't just that Jesus died. It's not just that Jesus was buried because those two things by themselves would not be enough to have a gospel, to have good news. You need the resurrection. It's kind of like Jenga. Have you ever played that game where you take the blocks and you build the tower and then players take turns pulling out blocks and there are certain blocks you can pull out and when you pull them out, the tower remains standing. But there are certain blocks that when you pull them out, the entire tower comes crashing down. The gospel is like that. There are certain doctrines and beliefs that, that if you pull them out, the entire gospel comes crashing down and the resurrection is one of those blocks. We need the resurrection of Jesus Christ because it is the event upon which our faith has been built. So I've been thinking a lot about the resurrection in the last few weeks, which makes sense, right? Because it's the foundation of our faith. And as I've been thinking about the resurrection of Jesus Christ, I've been thinking about the fact that we often consider the resurrection to be an event, something that happened to Jesus, that Jesus was dead, and then he was buried, and then he was raised again. And so we think of the resurrection as an event. But what if the resurrection were more than an event? What if the resurrection was not just something that happened to Jesus? What if the resurrection was who Jesus is? So that if you and I were connected to Jesus, we would have resurrection life inside of us, bringing us to life and making us alive, not just today and not just tomorrow, but forever. You see, the resurrection, I believe, is more than an event. It's a critical component of who Jesus is, and that's what we're going to talk about in just the few minutes that we have together today. In this passage that Pastor Jared just read for us in Luke chapter 24, we find Jesus appearing to his disciples, and he wants to prove to them that, in fact, he has died, he's been buried, and he's been raised again. And so he appears to his disciples, and he shows them his hands and his feet. We know from other passages in the scripture that when he showed his hands and his feet to his disciples after his resurrection, that they could still see the nail holes that were left in his hands from when he was nailed to the cross. They could still see the way the, the spear had pierced his side. They, they could still see all of that. So Jesus shows them his hands and his feet. And then to prove to them that he's not just a figment of their imagination, he says, do you guys have anything to eat? Because I'm kind of hungry. And he shares a meal with them. And then, as if that's not enough, Jesus, the master teacher, opens the scriptures up to his disciples. And the, Luke 24 tells us that he opens their minds so that they can understand that Christ himself must suffer. And on the third day, be raised again from the dead. Now, to be clear, in Luke chapter 24, Jesus is approaching the resurrection as an event, something that actually happened to Jesus in a historical moment of time. 
But when we look at other passages of Scripture, like John chapter 11, for example, we find Jesus expanding our understanding of resurrection, moving beyond an event to an identity. John chapter 11, let me set the scene for you. Jesus has had a close friend. His name is Lazarus, and he has just recently died. Martha, Lazarus's sister, had reached out to Jesus days before his death to say, Lazarus is ill. You should come, Jesus, because if you come, you could speak a word of healing into his life and, and the illness would be reversed and he wouldn't face death. Interestingly, though, Jesus doesn't come to see Lazarus. He actually waits in fact, the delay in travel actually causes Lazarus to die before Jesus arrives there. And so Jesus shows up in Bethany, and by the time he gets to Bethany where Lazarus lived and where Lazarus now has been buried, Lazarus is not only dead, but he's been buried in the tomb for four days. So we have death plus time. That's where we pick the story up in John chapter 11, beginning in verse 17. Now, when Jesus came, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days. Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off, and many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother. So when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and she met him, but Mary remained seated in the house. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. And Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. And Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Pause right there for just a moment. A couple of things that I notice in Martha's interaction with Jesus here. The first thing that I notice is that Martha understands that part of Jesus' identity is healer. She says, Jesus, if you had been here, my brother, he would not have died because you're the healer. If you had been in the place where my brother was when he was ill, you're, you could have just spoken a word. You could have just touched him. And in doing that, you would have reversed the illness and he wouldn't have died. She identifies him as healer and she's got real questions. Why didn't you show up, Jesus? Why didn't you actually come and fix the problem that we were facing? So she identifies him as healer. And then the second thing I notice about Martha's words here is that she thinks of resurrection as an event. Jesus says, Martha, your brother's going to rise again. And she says, oh, I know that. I know that there's a resurrection coming at the last day. And my brother, he'll be raised at that point. She sees the resurrection as an event, but watch now what Jesus is getting ready to do for Martha. He's going to open her understanding to move her beyond thinking of resurrection as an event and thinking of his identity only as a healer. She's going to broaden, he's going to broaden her perspective now and help her see that resurrection is more than an event. It's the identity of Jesus. Look at what he says in verse 25. As we get to verse 25, it says this. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. 
Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believe in me shall never die. Do you believe this? And she said to him, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is coming into the world. See, Martha has an understanding of Jesus. He's a healer. And at the last day, resurrection is going to be an event that everybody who believes in Jesus will experience. And Jesus says, Martha, let me help you understand that I am the resurrection and I am the life. If you believe in me and you know me, you're going to come to life and you will never experience death. That's what Jesus is saying to Martha. But there's still this problem. Because Lazarus is dead. And he's been dead for four days. And he's buried in a tomb. They laid him in a cave. They rolled a stone in front of the tomb. And Jesus says, take me to where Lazarus is at. And if you pick up the story a little bit later now in verse 38. Then Jesus, deeply moved again, came to the tomb. It was a cave and a stone lay against it. And Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha, this is very practical here. She's thinking very practically. She says, "Uh, Lord, is this a good idea? He's been dead for four days. It's going to stink. I love Martha in this time. I mean, this is, the, this is the person at the back of the room that says, wait, wait a minute, is this a smart idea? Are you sure you want to do this, Jesus? That's what Martha says. Lord, by this time there will be an odor, for he has been dead four days. And Jesus said to her, did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone, and Jesus lifted up his eyes And said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this on account of the people standing around, that they may believe that you sent me. And when he had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. And the man who had died came out, his hands and his feet bound with linen strips and his face wrapped with a cloth. And Jesus said to them, unbind him and let him go. I've been thinking about this story. In fact, as we've been preparing for Easter, this is the story that I kept coming back to in my own personal times with the Lord. Because I think in this story, there is this reality that Jesus is helping us understand that the resurrection is not just an event that happened to Jesus. And it's not just an event that we get to look forward to at the end on the last day. But the resurrection is Jesus. It's who he is. And if we know him, we have resurrection life inside of us. And that resurrection life is life that we experience today in this moment. And it is life that we continue to experience moment by moment by moment and day by day by day until one day we pass from this life into the life that really is life. Or, if Jesus comes back before then, we're just changed like that. 
It starts now and it continues on forever. It's the life that Nancy Maddox knows right now. I sat with Brian yesterday morning and he's joining us online today. Brian, we are praying for you. We are standing with you during this time and we love you. I sat with Brian yesterday and we talked about the fact that over these last few months, Nancy's body has been, it's been giving out. Not been working like it's supposed to work. And all the while we watched life waste away from her physical body, she was coming alive more and more and more. And today, for her to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Jesus is the resurrection and the life. For those who believe in him, they don't ever die. They just keep on living more and more and more. So I've been thinking a lot about this story, and it occurs to me as I think about this story that there are, uh, in this story, kind of a picture of how Jesus, as the resurrection and the life, impacts the people around him. And I think in this story, there are kind of three groups of people that are represented in this story that I think help us understand maybe where we're at and how we might respond to Jesus on this Easter Sunday. So I want to walk through those quickly with you, if I can. The first group that I see in this story is the group represented by Lazarus who's been raised from the dead. This is Lazarus at the end of the story. After the stone's been rolled away and Jesus, the one who is the resurrection and the life, cries out to Lazarus, calls him to come forth. Lazarus walks out of the grave. The person who had died was now alive. And there are a group of people in this room this morning and joining us online today who used to be dead. You used to be dead in your sins and your transgressions, but one day Jesus called your name and you heard his voice and you responded to Jesus and you decided in that moment that you were going to follow him for the rest of your life. And when you made that decision, Jesus forgave your sins. He made you a brand new creation and he transformed you and he took you from death to life. And if you find yourself in that boat today, your response on this Easter Sunday is to give thanks. Your response is to give thanks. You see, sometimes I think we forget what Jesus has truly done for us. I think, I think we just let it slip our minds. We're not being bad people. We're not being ungodly people. We just get busy with the routines and the responsibilities. And we get overwhelmed with the deadlines and, and with the demands of life. And we just forget. And so it's important for us to call to mind the fact that you and I, one day in our lives, we were dead in our sins and in our transgressions. We were, as the book of Ephesians says, alienated from Christ. We were without hope and without God in this world. But then God, in his grace and his mercy, demonstrated to us through Jesus Christ, he reconciled us to himself. 
When we put our faith and our trust in him, he forgave our sins. He brought us near, as the book of Ephesians says, and he made us alive in Christ, seated us with Christ in the heavenly places. This is what God does for us. And on this Easter Sunday, we have to call to mind who we used to be and who we are today because of Jesus. And when we think about that, we give thanks because he is worthy of our thanks and our praise if we are people who have been made alive by him. There's a second group of people in this passage, and this group of people is represented by Martha. Martha has serious questions about Jesus, and some of you have serious questions about Jesus today. Because there are people in situations around you that you know need a touch from Jesus. People that you know who today are not alive in Christ. Situations that you know today that are not, are not reflecting the character of Christ. And you look around you all of the time and you see these people and you see these situations. And you've prayed to Jesus. You've sent word to him just like Martha did. And you said, come, Lord, my brother's sick. This situation needs a touch from you. This person needs a touch from you. And as you're looking at that person or that situation, maybe it's a friend, maybe it's a coworker, maybe it's a family member, maybe it's a relationship, maybe it's a, a neighborhood that you're looking at and saying, doesn't Jesus care about this neighborhood? And you've sent word to Jesus and it just seems like Jesus is delaying. He's not coming as fast as you want him to come. He's not touching that situation or that person just like you want him to. And if you find yourself in that situation today, I want to just encourage you. Your response today is to have faith. Have faith. Because there is no person and there is no situation that is beyond the capacity of Jesus to touch and change. Remember, Jesus defeated death, hell, and the grave. What exactly was your problem again? I think that whatever those situations are that you're looking at, that you say, Jesus doesn't seem to care. He doesn't seem to be working. He doesn't seem to be moving. He doesn't seem to be bringing life into these dead places. I want to just encourage you today, have faith. Remember what Jesus said to Martha? Didn't I tell you, if you'll just believe, you'll get to see the glory of God? Listen, I, I interact with a lot of Christians. It's not always fun. It's not always fun. And here's why. Christians can be some of the most negative people on the planet. In fact, when I was a little kid, the church that we went to, which shall remain unnamed was full of grumpy people. I always thought to myself, why in the world would anybody want to be a Christian? That is just consigning yourself to a life of being grumpy. Who would want that? Here's why a lot of Christians get grumpy, because they become judgmental of the world. They look at the world in which we live, they see people and situations all around them, which quite frankly lack the life of God. The world is not going the way God wants the world to go in so many situations and circumstances. And a, a lot of times Christians will look at the world and they will judge the world and become negative. And they just allow that to make them grumpy. But here's the reality. If you call yourself a Christian, at some point you have to actually live like one. 
And Christians actually never have a reason to lose hope. You don't actually get that option. There are lots of people in the world, if they are without God, they are without hope, truly without hope. But as Christians, we don't get to lose hope. Because Jesus has defeated death, hell, and the grave. He's conquered every problem that this world would encounter. And in a moment, Jesus can change any person or any situation. Why? Because he is the resurrection and he is the life. And when he walks into a situation, he always brings life with him. And life always conquers death. It always conquers death. So if you find yourself being like Martha today, I just want to encourage you, have faith. Have faith. Some of you are like Lazarus who's been raised from the dead and your response is to give thanks. Some of you are like Martha. You've got serious questions, but Jesus says, just keep believing. You'll get to see the glory of God. Have faith. There's a third group of people that I think are reflected in this passage. And this group of people really identifies with Lazarus. Not, not the raised from the dead Lazarus at the end of the story, but the still dead in the tomb Lazarus at the beginning of the story. Because there are some people sitting in this room right now, you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. You've never decided to follow him. Or maybe you're gathering with us online today and, and, and you're just evaluating your life in this moment and you recognize that you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And so if you find yourself in that situation today, whether you used to follow Jesus and you've walked away from him, you used to be a part of the church and really, really kind of following Jesus and giving him your life and then you just went away from that, or whether you've never decided to follow Jesus at any point in your life, if you find yourself in that boat today, you don't have the life of Jesus. You don't have the life that Jesus offers to you. It's just the reality. And some of you need to hear this today. This is why you're here. Maybe you thought you were here because the person who brought you twisted your arm. But I think that you're here to hear what I'm getting ready to say next. Some of you do not have the life of Jesus. You've been living your life for yourself. You've been going your own way. You've been pursuing your own path. You've been making choices and decisions, and, and some of those choices and decisions, you thought they would bring you life. You thought they would bring you joy. You thought they would bring you contentment and peace, but at the end of each one of those decisions, you keep finding an emptiness, an emptiness that feels a little bit like death. Because you thought you were going to get what you wanted, but in the end, you just wound up empty. And you might today be looking for a path forward. You might be looking for a different way to approach this thing called life. You might be looking for a way out. You might even be here today and think there's no hope. You've tried a hundred times to find a different path. You've tried a, a million different ways that you could go, but you just can't seem to find life no matter how hard you look for it. But I want to just encourage you today. Because if 
that's you today, if you're in that place today, if you just get quiet for just a moment, I think you'll hear maybe some sound outside the tomb. There's a voice that's giving some instructions for that stone to be rolled away. And if you listen real careful, as that stone gets pushed back, you'll recognize that the voice that's been giving instructions is in fact the voice of Jesus, the one who is the resurrection and the one who is the life. And if you listen real careful to that voice, the voice, the only voice that matters, if you listen to that voice, I think you'll hear that he's calling your name. He's inviting you today to come out of the grave and walk into life. Because whenever you hear the call of Jesus and you respond to that call and you move towards Jesus, guess what? The closer you get to Jesus, the more alive you become. Because he is the resurrection and he is the life. So we're gonna close this service today. But we're not gonna close it before I give you an opportunity to respond. So what I want everybody to do, whether you're here in this room, whether you're joining us online right now, I just want you to bow your heads and close your eyes. I don't want anybody looking around. This is not going to be an embarrassing moment, a call you out of the crowd moment. This really is just between you and the Lord. But right now, if you listen real careful, some of you in this room or joining with us online right now, you are in a place in your life where you have tried everything you know to try. And your response today is just simply to receive life. It's to receive life. And so if you're here today and you've tried it all and you know that you haven't found life yet and today you're willing to say yes to Jesus, to answer his call, to come out of the grave and walk towards him and have all of the life that he's offering you, what I want you to do right now, whether you're here in this room or gathering with us online, I just want you to raise your hand as a way of saying yes to Jesus. Just put your hand up high and hold it up high just for a moment. I'm not going to call you out. I'm not going to embarrass you. I just want to pray for you. I see that hand. I see those hands. I see that hand. Anybody else? Yeah, I see that hand. Let's pray together. Father, you see the hands that have gone up all across this room. And Lord, there are hands that have gone up in living rooms and at kitchen tables across our community. Lord, I pray for these people who have raised their hands, who have said yes to Jesus. They've heard your call. They're coming out of the grave and they're walking to you. Make them alive in this moment. Forgive their sins and make them a brand new creation in you. Reconcile them to yourself and move them from death to life. Let this be a day that forever will go down in history as the day that their lives changed. For your name and for your glory. We pray these things in Jesus' name.
Now, in just a moment, I'm going to turn the band loose because we're going to sing one more song because we need to finish this service with celebration and praise of the one who is the resurrection and the life. But before I let them lead us in that song, if you raised your hand here in this room, right at the end of the service, I'm going to wait right down front. And I'm not going to embarrass you in any way, but I would love for you to just come down front so that I can meet you and get to talk to you for a little bit, see what God's doing in your life, and so that we can help you take those first steps in your journey of faith. So I'll meet you right down here as soon as the service ends. If you're joining us online right now, what I want to encourage you to do, if you made a decision for Christ, reach out to the church office during this week. We would love to come alongside you and help you as you take the first steps in your faith journey. So congregation, I want to invite you to stand and let's lift up the name of our Savior, Jesus Christ.